Hey everybody, it's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe back for Mavs After Dark with MavsMoneyBall.com. As always, if you like what we're doing here, tell your friends, rate and review. That sort of stuff really helps us. Look for the podcast on Mavs uh, Moneyball podcast on any of your podcast providers. All right, guys, if you're joining us, that means you are excited as we are about the fact that the Mavericks just won in New Orleans 123 to 116 i uh i'm gonna kick it to josh immediately because i'm a little tired i just finished writing the recap and i i want to collect my thoughts a little bit so josh why don't you uh why don't you kick us off here well i think first off uh that game got me so jacked up that i've wanted to run through a brick wall after luca banked in that clutch three-pointer at the end of the game (laughs) and i don't think i felt like that in about like 15 years it feels like so that was really fun um but yeah, that was that was quite the game. Uh, I think I tweeted at halftime that welcome back 2003 Mavericks. Like that was just it was offense, it was offense, it was teams trading buckets, it was big plays by your best players. Uh removed from like the the fact that I care about the outcome of the game for the Mavericks, like just as a basketball game just in a vacuum, that was just a just a delightful game. Um but yeah, it's it's two and oh, first time they're two and oh since the oh four, oh five season, which was a, like a really long it doesn't feel like that long, but that's a really, really, really long time ago. Um so and we were we've been talking about this Mavericks team getting off to poor starts when they've been going through this rebuild and, and so far it hasn't happened, even if they've kind of bend uh bent but not uh been broken i'm oh, sorry i can't talk right now you're it's okay you just told me to, yeah pumped. i know you just told me to talk because you needed your brain to no, recharge I'm, I'm, pu- I'm pumped and jacked in the words of uh kevin o'connor I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm i'm right here with you and and you know i i i want to i want to say that that you know you and i have been doing this such a long time we've gone through some really crappy seasons so i think sometimes our default is to be like eh, about certain things that's exactly the kind of win they haven't been able to get for like five years that just felt like the kind of game that was going to go down the toilet or really with the way that first quarter went like just get out of hand in the hurry and the pelicans are exactly that range of playoff uh hopeful that the mavericks have to defeat repeatedly um i I, i'm terrified for when zion joins them because they're going to be they're going to be pretty good but it was it was just the kind of game where you know they 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 started off so poorly which we're going to talk about towards the latter half of the podcast but then they settled they made adjustments and they came out in the second half and we saw what we you know 45 points in a quarter i didn't realize it was that many and i'm sitting here taking notes on the game and then i go back through and look at my notes and it says okay p3 luca 3 it's like oh my gosh this was what we were envisioning with all of this and it still looked kind of sloppy like it, it there's there's just no way that they're anywhere approaching a ceiling it's it's pretty incredible to me yeah and i think the biggest takeaway for me is you know when you think about what luca did in his you know rookie season and we all tried to fantasize like okay what does luca look like without if we just skip all of the rookie M- rookie year nba getting used to stuff like what does he look like now because you know there's no more adjustments there's no more of this weird pecking order of the veterans that kind of blocked his path at the beginning of the year like what is luca unleashed with one year of experience under his belt look like look looks like 
And what it looks like is he's overwhelmingly been the best player on the floor in two games, in two wins, in two wins that were teetering on the verge of being of losses. And that you can almost say that he almost single-handedly made sure that they got the win. Obviously, in each of the two games, they've gotten some contributions from some of their role players that were helped tremendously, uh, especially like with DeLon Wright tonight. But to me, it's just watching Luka. It feels like watching the Rockets with James Harden. It feels like watching any of like LeBron's past teams. It feels like watching... um, Denver with Jokic or Philadelphia with Embiid, just that overwhelming sense of when this guy's on the floor, there is no other basketball player better than him right now. And the Mavericks are probably going to win because when you have that, that when you have that player, that's what usually happens. And it's sure it's just a remarkable feeling because he's 20 years old and it, it's just like, I don't want to get too far ahead of like what we want to talk about with this game, but like, what does twenty-four-year-old Luca look like? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't I, just don't understand. And and honestly, you know, he he pulls out a stat line of twenty-five, ten, and ten with only three turnovers. He also had a pair of steals. Jeff Van Gundy talked about how like was was borderline fat shaming him on the broadcast and kept talking about how good he looks comparatively, but also made a point of saying because he looks lighter, his defense actually was was a little better, which I tend to agree with, which is not a thing I thought I'd be saying about Luca. But while we're here and while we're talking about some of the happy things, I really want to talk about you know the contributions of Delon Wright and Jalen Brunson who collectively did something like absolutely wild to me. They had a combined 15 boards between the two of them, uh, six of those being offensive. They, uh, there are you know, five assists and 34 points between the two, between these, these two uh, guards who are, you know, a part of the rotation, I'm, I'm just going to say right now, since we don't really know where they fit in the starting lineup or not. And then you have Wright's defense and his steals, which really were kind of the catalyst that got them going in that second quarter. Uh, and then obviously his his game, you know, ceiling steal. I was just really impressed with Wright because that sort of, uh, you know, herky-jerky uh, um, drives were really, were really, it's, it's nice to see because last year one of the problems the Mavericks had uh, is that you know nobody outside of of Luca was able to really get drives in the second half of the season. Brunson was rounding out his game. He gets in the lane a lot, but because of his size, he often gets cut off, and then he has to figure out and make these really tough shots. But and and he's good at them. Don't get me wrong. But Wright is big enough to where he's usually got a guy on his hip, and he's getting all the way to the rim. At least he did tonight, and that sort of stuff is so helpful. Uh, in terms of keeping the offense wide open, because you know while Luca is amazing, he can't—he just can't be expected to shoulder some of the load that he had to last year. Yeah, and you make a great point about the distinguishing the difference between Brunson and and Wright in terms of when they're driving and attacking the basket. That was the thing I noticed about Wright when I tried to watch as much film as I could when I realized the Mavericks were about to uh, uh, bring him on, and I noticed you know he doesn't have that first step burst that you consider for a lot of guys that are good at getting to the basket and almost every time I watch plays of him getting to the rim and scoring there was a defender right on his hip or just like a foot away and he never really blew by guys but like you said he's so crafty and he's such a good ball handler and he's got such great length and he's like 6'5 you know if he were 6'1 it'd be a different story but he's 6'5 with length and you know he just kind of glides to the rim and kind of just separates through you know through some talent, through some skill, through some ingenuity. Uh, 
he just kind of knows what to do. And, you know, he played a lot in college and he played, you know, three and a half years for a good team in Toronto with good coaches and good players around him to, to kind of learn the ropes. Uh, and this is exactly what I was hoping for. You know, when, when he came here and he was a presumed starter, there was a lot of questions, you know, including for myself, you know, like, Hey, he can't really shoot, you know, don't you want to put as many shooters around Luke as you can? And he's kind of filling the role that I imagine Dennis Smith Jr. was going to try to fill if the Mavericks would have kept uh, that vision long-term with Dennis and Luca. You know, Luca just creates so much space just by from the fact of his shooting, from his passing, from his dribbling. And with that space, there are rooms to work. There are creases to, to get through if you're a crafty ball handler, and that's exactly what Wright is. It didn't really happen that much in the preseason, didn't really happen – too much you know against the wizards but tonight is kind of the ideal of what what can happen when you have a capable secondary ball handler playing off of what luca can do uh and yeah he looked really great tonight well and and you know another guy that we didn't talk about and i think he fits in kind of the mixed bag category is uh chris daps porzingis now if if you're you know if tonight was your first mavericks game and today and and this podcast is your first one of these I'm just going to be honest and say that I have extremely high expectations for Porzingis. The talent is there. The execution due to both a combination of his, you know, his returning from injury after 20 months paired with the fact that he basically played on a broken team and learned lots of bad habits is worth is, is it's just going to be a thing that I'm taught that I'm going to, I'm going to focus on. And, you know, Stalin tonight, 24 points, uh, 29 minutes, he had, you know, he was three of five from downtown and five of eight from the free throw line. He only had four rebounds somehow, yet he had three really good assists and was really an incredible rim deterrent when he, you know, kind of figured out what he needed to be doing in the second, third and fourth quarters. Uh, he he should have had like seven blocks, but a couple of them were awful foul calls. I just don't know what to make of his game. He is really there. And I, uh, you know, the, the turnover against Drew, I can't figure out if that was a Rick play call or a, just a decision between him and Luca to post up Drew holiday. You know, that's just, that's just bad, bad basketball. I don't know how to, how to put it. You know, I'm fine with getting the guy, uh, you know, post-ups uh, to start the game. I, I think if, you know, the Mavericks need a basket, he's a great option, but they, they do some stuff, which takes them out of their, out of their offense every now and again. And, it's it seems to be a little bit to their detriment uh and that's granted this is only two games in i'm probably you know i'm probably expecting too much but the fact that they took him out in the final two minutes was interesting now he looked winded he missed two free throws in the fourth and you know he played 29 minutes which is about you know they i think they want to keep him under 30 for a while so i'm probably reading way way too much into this but what did you think of his game I'm kind of right there with you. It was like one of those games where he would go three possessions and you're like, holy, holy crap. Like this guy, like this is it. This is the guy that, you know, we talked about. This is the guy in the highlight reels that we watched. You know, this is the guy that, you know, in the 2017, 2018 season for the first two or three months was just lighting the league on fire. We're like, this is this guy. And then he'll go three or four possessions and there, you know, maybe he, he doesn't get there on defense, doesn't get to his spot. He gets pushed around to, to give up an offensive board, maybe takes a bad uh, two point shot. And you kind of wince a little bit because you know that he could take a better shot and, and not even that I'm against, you know, taking a mid range shot for him because he's, 
you know, he is good at it, but just the, the kind of, the kind that he takes, uh, I noticed he really likes to go left. Like he really likes to go left in the mid range. He's not that good at it. No, he's not yeah. that good at it. And, <laughs> and teams are playing on it really hard and he'll kind of force up a really weird, like 16 footer. Uh, and, but like you said, it's kind of expected. Like he didn't, you know, he went from the Knicks and being hurt and not playing full seasons. And now he's here. Like, you know, there wasn't really a transition period where he could have more time to, to, to iron out the kinks like he's doing that now and he's doing that here and, and it's going to be a process yes and that's what that's what i need to really take a minute with because it's it's just it's me being a little crazy now he also does stuff that makes me laugh out loud there his his first three-point make i think it was in the second quarter with uh it was and luca wasn't even in the game yet it was a pass from uh delon right at the top of the key on a pick and roll or i'm sorry in a pick and pop and two pelicans flew at him and it did not matter because his shot is just breathtaking and when he he starts cooking like that from a distance it's pretty hard to figure out what they're supposed to what what opposing defenses are going to do i i just like i laugh i when they are cooking if they're able to figure out offense they're gonna blow a few teams right off the floor this year yeah and and the best part about this is that they're still learning and they're still trying to figure this out and they're two and oh so there's not that that creates a lot less tension you know in practice or in games you know they they, it kind of gives them a buffer room to be like hey we can still figure this out and like you said it feels like they're not even scratching the surface of their ceiling and uh the rebounding i think is going to be something we're just going to have to live with i know There was some hope with the preseason, but it's preseason. <laughs> guys aren't crashing the boards hard. They're just letting guys get bored. You know, like it's not – it's just a different level of intensity, and I honestly think that's why he looks so good rebounding in the preseason. Uh, but, yeah, that might just be – that's just going to be something. And, hey, like they're also 2-0, and they don't have Dwight Powell. And say what you will about Dwight Powell, but he matters on this team, and yep. he gives them something they desperately need. They've got no rim runners right now because Powell yeah. isn't uh, – KP's not running the rim. Yeah, we, uh, and, Maxie, and they got to stop rolling Dorian Finney-Smith out there as, it, as like the four because that – it worked once, and it was a cool play, but I don't want to do – I don't want to see it again. It hurts my eyes. Let's, yeah, let's know, just not do that. Yeah, I know. We can. I mean, I'm I'm on the very. If we want to start going down the dark road that I, that I was oh, feeling, no, we so, can. Let, let's. <laughs> it's let's not a dark road. The good stuff. No, yeah. no. The, the, it, let's let's actually pivot to that because, like, like okay. understanding that that Josh and I are really excited and really happy. I think it's time that we nitpick because we were two to three possessions away from having a podcast where you and I scream into the void for 15 minutes. So let's talk about you know the what you're a little bit frustrated by now that we've had about 10 minutes to think about it. So 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 fire away. Okay, so Courtney Lee starts a game against the Wizards, and it just makes it, it was just really funny because all summer, you know, a lot of, you know, us, uh, other writers, you know, our friends, uh, Dalton and Tim Cato, Jake Kemp over at The Athletic and Dalton over at DallasBasketball.com made really good cases for why Justin Jackson should be that fifth starter next to Rice, Luca, Powell, and uh, Przingis. Yep. Uh, I, I wasn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't necessarily totally on board, but they made sound arguments backed up with data, backed up with what, how he was looking toward the end of last year. I could at least be like, hey, I'll give it a shot. I wrote a lot about how Seth Curry should be that fifth starter. 
And then eventually, after watching the preseason, okay, if it's not Seth, then at least Brunson, because Brunson looked really, really good with the starters uh, in that last preseason game against the Clippers. And then, you know, there's all that writing, there's all that speculation, and there's all that, you know, fact-finding and, and trying to figure out what the best one is. And then it's it's Courtney Lee. It, like, Courtney Lee starts against Washington. And, in this economy? Yeah. yeah <laughs> this I, I don't society. even – I don't understand it. We live in a society with, with Courtney Lee as a starter, and it's like, okay, it was one game. Maybe Rick wasn't liking what he saw from Dorian Finney-Smith and Justin Jackson in the preseason because, you know, Jackson scored well, but he kind of had – you know, weird games outside of that didn't really make an impact. And Finney Smith didn't look too great. So maybe it's like, hey, he's sending a message. He he said something kind of weird about how he thought he would be the best guy to guard Beal because he watched tape of all the guys guarding Beal and he and Courtney Lee looked the best, even though Courtney Lee played two and a half minutes a game in two games against the Wizards last year. So he must have been watching tape from like 2016 or 2017. Um, so, okay, it's one game. You know what? Okay, he's just he's just doing something. Then he does it again tonight. Not only does he do it again tonight, but he starts Lee with Dorian Finney-Smith. So he's starting two zeros on offense. You know, in the starting lineup next to KP and uh, next to Luca. You know, he's already starting. You know, he, t- he puts in Brunson, which is almost like he's throwing us a bone there. And predictably, the Mavs look horrible in the first quarter. And and if you if you're starting Lee and you're starting Dorian Finney Smith, the thing is like, okay, we need some defensive edge around KP and Luca. Pelican shot seventy seven percent in the first quarter. Like, like what are we doing here? Like, this team isn't like Kirk. You said this so much. This team feels like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too with offense and defense instead of just leaning into their identity, which they are an offensive team, and their best players are all great on offense you know they are offensive minded players you just got to roll with it you got to put your best players on the floor and see how it goes and I know that you know they want to be able to balance offense defense they want to bench the starters in the bench because they don't want guys playing 35 minutes a night and they want to you know stagger guys so that they're not getting beat you know when guys go to the bench what you know what have you but it's it's like I don't know what to say. Like basketball is not this complicated. Seth Curry comes in, plays with Luca and KP in the second quarter. They go on a NATO run and they, they get back into the game after they're down by 16. And it's not like this crazy, like I'm not digging into some crazy analytical data. It's Seth Curry was the top five three-point shooter last year. And this team has no three-point shooters besides Luca and KP. And you've got Luca, who's one of the best three-point shot creators in the entire league. Like yeah. everyone knows, this isn't like a secret. It's not that hard. And yeah, I it's don't. So it's really great watching a uh, an unbelievable high pick and roll action, which gets Luca going downhill, which draws defense from the corner, and really from the opposite corner half the time because he's that scary. Then he ends up passing it to Dorian Finney-Smith for a brick. there's no disrespect two points minus nine like what are we doing oh yeah it it it, there this is just i felt like they did this last year too and that's why they had to you know moving on from from dennis smith jr when the opportunity presented it himself and then more interestingly moving on from harrison barnes was i thought the mavericks figuring out you know okay we need to put our best players in the best position to succeed and I think they're going to get there because this stuff is obvious. This, some of this stuff so is, it reeks of, of, of not, you know, we keep laughing because, you know, 
the Mavericks do read what the media writes about them. And, you know, believe it or not, Josh and I are media. And there are things out there, you know, that say all this stuff. And we think it might be us, but I really, I think it's him raging against the analytics. You know, it, it and there's a great story in Bob Stroom's book. Uh, um, I, I think what, God, it was about the 2011 season. What was it called? Um, uh, this year will be different, I think yeah. is what the title is. It yep. was incredible. Like really unbelievably yeah, reported fantastic. piece. And he talks about something about how they finally convinced Rick, the analytics staff finally convinced uh, Carlisle with like 10 to 15 games left in the regular season to stop working for these open long twos in the short corner area and have guys step back two feet and take three pointers. And then what happened guys, they ran rough shot over the West and kicked the crap out of people and won the title. It was amazing. And and I don't think Rick is anti-analytic. That's not what I mean. I just believe that there's certain things that an old school coach like him sees you see these things in practice. Dorian Finney-Smith is a unbelievable practice player. I have seen it with my own eyes. I have also seen him airball three-pointers and look like he's a, he's firing from a trebuchet. It, it's it, it's just so interesting to me. I, I can't figure it out. Thank God this hasn't cost them any games. And I do think that this stuff will take care of it itself because this has been two straight games where they started against first against a very bad team and they're just able to rebound. And then against the team that's up and coming. If, if uh, Zion Williamson had been on the floor tonight, the Mavericks would not have won. I I don't think I can make that any clearer uh, because of how they were playing and how they started. They can't afford that sort of stuff against good teams. Now, I, I, I do you have any? I don't want to go anymore on this because again, we, you know, we're we're happy we won. I'm excited. I, I can't wait to watch another game. Yeah, a uh, couple more things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I I specifically wrote my bold predictions about Seth Curry starting by the new year, and I wrote mm. in it the Mavericks are likely going to something around along the lines of the Mavericks are going to. Rick's hand is going to be forced to make a change because the Mavericks are going to keep opening games down seven to two. And they've started each game down seven to four. And it's like, <laughs> I know Which that is, I'm you know, wrong that's about small it. enough, but it is I, funny. I know, but I know that I'm like wrong about a lot. Like there is stuff that I'm wrong about, but God damn it. I'm right about this and I won't let it go. But uh, there was a funny part. Uh, the la- you know, one of the last clutch possessions of the game, there's like 30 something seconds left, 35 seconds. And the play call, I don't know if it's a play call, but the play that happens is Dorian Finney-Smith sets a screen for Luca, And, like, I know, like, what you were saying earlier about how they got a dunk out of it because it was, like, the third quarter and they were kind of running the running the offense and it, I think it was kind of out of a secondary break and, you know, Pelicans weren't ready for it. When you're coming up in that, like – why not why not just tell the pelicans hey just just double luca right now let's you know let's not worry about it like what else do you think is going to happen like they doubled luca they because they do not care about torian finney smith he caught the ball wide open and then launched a three-point shot and bricked it and i'm not even like super anti finney smith in the sense of like he shouldn't play like he obviously has things that this team needs but they just need to do a better job of balancing the time and like when you've got your best three-point shooter and Seth Curry playing 17 minutes and not all of those are with Luka Doncic who is probably a top three creator of three-point shots in this league right now that baffles me and I I just I really I don't understand but hey uh, what a world that they live in that they are able to almost out talent teams and get wins and I think that just goes to show how good Luka is how good Kristaps can be 
he may be not as consistently, but when he's good, he is that good uh, on those possessions. And uh, it's just wild, you know, it it makes me mad, but I'm also, it kind of excites me in a way of like, they're going to eventually get it. Like this isn't going to happen all season. Like it's impossible for this to happen all season. And when they get it and when it clicks, like this team could be something even more special than, you know, I might've thought a couple of months ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait. So they play Portland on Sunday, 27th. So, so Sunday. Ooh, yeah. Sunday at six Dallas time. Ooh, that's going to be a hard one for me to make. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably watch at least part of it so we can hop on the horn again here. Um, guys, this has been uh, Josh Bow and Kirk Henderson. We went a little longer tonight because it was a pretty exciting win. Uh, we're going to try to keep these, you know, 10 to 12 minutes max most nights. But you know what? There's a lot to talk about tonight. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to allow it. I uh, hope you guys have a good weekend and we will probably see you. At least one of us will be on here uh, Sunday night talking about the Portland game. Uh, again, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow with Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Everybody have a good weekend.